This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Hope everybody's enjoying the holidays and heading into 2020. And hope everybody's safe out there and have a great New Year's, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. On this A's Unfiltered, we're going to talk to our buddy John Morosi. We're going to talk to Scott Miller, Bobby Evans, former general manager of the San Francisco Giants, and Julian McWilliams, who used to cover the A's, now covers the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. These are all guys we had on when we were down in San Diego for the winter meetings. And we're going to lead off with John Morosi, baseball insider for Fox and also the MLB Network. John Morosi here on A's Cast Live. My friend, it's been, I mean, it's so nice to meet you in person because yes. we've, we've been on the radio so much together many times Tony. great to be with you and uh, cody as well great to see you guys and talk baseball in the beautiful state of california this time of year it is a welcome change of pace uh, coming from michigan and and maybe one of these years uh michigan will find its way back to the rose bowl and i'll have an occasion to come back to southern california but not quite yet this was not uh, a couple wins shy of being able to do that here in uh, in 2019 what's up with my guy harbaugh well, uh, I, I'm not sure that I have quite the, the, the bandwidth or expertise to fully, uh, to fully assess their situation right now, but uh, I, I think Michigan, not, not to delve too much into college football, they've, they've done a good job of getting back to respectability, uh, the, the 8 to 10 win range, which really was elusive even during the, the Brady Hoke and, yeah. and Rich Rodriguez eras. So that's been a victory, but they haven't quite been able to uh, reach the summit and, and find a way to, uh, to match up with the Buckeyes right now, given how well they've put themselves together. So um, good good seasons, but not great seasons, I think, has been the, 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 the moral of the story here of late. And, and the Buckeyes right now, just, the, the gap is as big as I can recall it at any point in time in my life. You've been doing the winning meetings for years. Did you ever think you'd be sitting in a hotel talking about a one pitcher making over th- – Maybe over three hundred million. I, I never forecasted it, but then again, Townie, the, the the growth of the game has been extraordinary here in re, in recent years, and um, the, the revenues have continued to climb. I think it really is not that big of a rhetorical leap when you consider what Strasburg just got. Uh, you bump up the AAV from thirty-five million to thirty-six million because you know what's what's a million bucks among friends here, <laughs> uh, and so bump that up uh, one more increment. And one more year, that gets you almost to $300 million, and then potentially you have a, uh, a vesting option at the end of it that makes it from an eight-year deal to a nine-year deal with a buyout, and that, uh, with a little arithmetic, that can get you across the threshold and make it a $300 million contract, which I think is exactly what Cole is going to get. So we're not too far from the Yes Network, and they're, and they're all pretty positive that it is going to happen. I know Artie Moreno has a, a, a big checkbook. The Dodgers are kind of laying in the weeds. Now we're hearing, kind of like when Albert Pujols was going through this, we thought it was going to be Miami. We thought it was going to be St. Louis. Then we heard of a mystery team. The mystery team was the Angels. We're hearing there's a mystery team again. Are we buying the mystery team, or is that just a Scott Boris deal? Well, there may be some mystery teams involved uh, or teams that are on the the periphery. Sometimes the mystery team does get the player. Uh, I think that was the case in, in Albert Pujols' case, as you mentioned. Townie, but I, I think in general, I would be stunned if Cole went somewhere that was not the Yankees, the Angels, or the Dodgers. I think those are the three teams. Uh, there are all the reasons in the world for him to go to really any one of the three. That the money's going to be good anywhere he goes, and 
he is, of course, a Yankee fan from birth. He grew up rooting for the Yankees. He's from Southern California. So I'm not sure what else you want. You, you've got the two options. You've got your boyhood favorite team, and you've got the two teams that play closest to where you grew up. Uh, and they're all going to give you a quarter billion dollars. I, I, I suppose, could there be a mystery team? Maybe, but I, I don't think the Yankees are feeling an abundance of, of angst over this. Once they've put their mind to something and decided that they want to spend that level of money on a player, they are very rarely outbid. And it was pointed out to me by, by Mark Feinsand of MLB.com that there are some echoes of C.C. Sabathia here. C.C. Sabathia, of course, was from California, and the belief back in 08 was that maybe C.C. would prefer to, to be a giant or, or to be an angel, and it uh, didn't happen that way. Of course, he signed with the Yankees, and they won the World Series in the very next year. So I, I look at this, guys, and, and say to myself, there are just simply not enough other places that are similarly attractive to the three that we know like him that Scott is certainly within his rights to say it, and maybe there are teams that have called, but uh, this is one case where I don't think he really needs one. With Bryce Harper, he needed some mystery teams. Uh, With any number of other free agents, uh, he does need need mystery teams to drive the market value. With with Garrett Cole, he simply does not. Uh, the, The market is... Self-evident to me, and he's going to choose one of those three teams. Mrs. Cole, obviously Brandon Crawford's sister from up in our neck of the woods in Pleasanton. Uh, She also was an athlete at UCLA and Southern California. Uh, I just wonder what she's thinking. I I wish she was in the lobby and we could talk to her, saying, uh, you want to go back home and be closer to mom and dad being in Southern California or – the bright lights of uh, New York, is that something you're interested in? Well, that, that's certainly, listen, family considerations come into play here. This is a big decision. It's the next seven or eight or maybe nine years of your life. That's a, it's a big deal. Um, and there is that appeal, I'm sure, to, to the Coles to be able to spend that time in California. No question about that. Uh, but I also think that they're at a stage where, you know, no, no children yet, so they can, they can write their own course, whatever they want to, without, without regard of worrying about where a kid's in school and, and, and those various complexities of life that, that, that come along for, um, for many, many players and their families. But I, I think in, in their case, uh, and I do believe what Scott Boris said today was true, he's not going to be someone who, who fixates on geography and, and lets that guide his decision. I think he is someone who has done his homework. Garrett's a very studious person. He's got a very inquisitive mind about the game and has asked a lot of questions about different cities and operations of different teams. And, and I think he's someone who, who knows what he wants. And, and the fact that he's done his homework, the fact that he is so smart as a baseball person, as a person in general, should make this a little cleaner process. There's, there's not a whole lot of education that has to go on for, for Garrett Cole. He, he knows what he wants. The teams that he probably has wanted all along to be interested in him are interested in him. So uh, I, I'm not so sure that there re- needs to be much drama here at the end. There, there's, there are teams that are, that are enamored with him. They're going to give him a bunch of money. And uh, I, I don't think even in this very nuanced situation that it really has to be that much more complicated than that. Could the mystery team be the team that knows him best and the team that maybe gives him still the best chance to win the World Series? The Houston Astros. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, they may still be keeping in touch, but I, uh, the way that Garrett even spoke after the World Series was over, really, in a way, divorcing himself from from the organization. It was it was obviously a very um, difficult end of the season. Um, the, the 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 incident with Brandon Taubman, I think, cast a pall over that team during the, the course of the World Series, and and given the severity of what occurred. It, it, that was warranted, um, and, and I think that uh, the Astros, of course, now with with the allegations of the science stealing, there's just there's a lot there that if if I were him, I would wonder: Will it be as good as I remembered it being, or or, or uh, do I really want to go back and, and revisit uh, um, a place that now is going to be dealing with the fallout from uh, a couple pretty significant incidents here in the last several months? So I I, I don't think he's going to go back to the Astros. I think the Astros still will have a very good team in 2020, but they're not going to be as good. And especially if he goes in division, if he goes to the Angels, then uh, that could begin to turn the calculus of that division. But 
to me, guys, I, I look at it and say the Angels are more than one player away from being a legitimate contender to win that division. They, they at this point in time, have, I believe, one player who threw 100 innings in the major leagues this year on their team. That's Dylan Bundy. He wasn't even on their roster last year. They had, to, Of course, <laughs> they had to get him in a trade with Baltimore. So their pitching is in such disrepair that that I even Garrett Cole himself could not fix it alone. It's going to have to be multiple pitchers. And, and for that reason, Townie, I would tell you that it's not devastating to the Angels if they miss out on Garrett Cole. It's devastating to them if they miss out on Cole and Bumgarner and Keuchel and Ryu and any number of other scenarios that could, that could allow them to, to really bolster their, their pitching. That's what has to happen for them. So I'm not even totally sure that, that Cole is the entire right answer that they need right now. I think that they need multiple arms, and Cole could be one of them, certainly. But even if they get Cole, that's not the final answer for that team. So once Cole's off the board... That's where I start thinking, here comes Mad Bum. You got the three World Series rings. We know what he's done in the postseason. Maybe just the change of scenery. We know the big thing in baseball now is I take someone else's guy and I can make him better from what we see with spin rates and all that kind of stuff. Does he become the next big guy that you got to get once Cole is off the board? You got to get Mad Bum? He, to me, is the next most appealing player. Uh, among the pitchers, uh, at least. Um, and Bumgarner is someone who I am sure, Chris, is rightfully upset. Um, upset may be a strong word, but um, maybe a little irked that, that Wheeler got the money that he got when he got it because Madison probably looks at his resume and says, hey, wait a minute, look what I've done in the game. I've done way more than Zach Wheeler, <laughs> and I'm basically the same age, and look what he just got. And so I'm sure Bumgarner, in his own competitive mentality, says, hey, I deserve every bit of that contract and probably more. Now, his adjusted ERA was basically what Wheeler's was in 2019. And Bumgarner, to his credit, took every single start that was available to him with the Giants. He made 34 starts. So he was a healthy pitcher in 2019. Very important. But the quality of, of his pitching has regressed. It was his worst ERA of his career. That's alarming. It's a, it's a tough final impression to have before free agency. All that being said, he does have a presence and cachet that very few pitchers in the game have. And, and for a team like the Twins, for a team like the Angels, seeking for some validation of their place as contenders and the twins of course they won the division but they didn't they didn't win a playoff game uh, he gives you instant credibility the white Sox, for example i would say there's there is some very strong value for Bumgarner to uh to come there so um all that has a way of saying yes chris i, I agree with you i think he's the next best starting pitcher available i think he has fewer question marks certainly than ryu keichel may have a little bit of a um, he Keuchel may be a little bit less risk there, but I think with Bumgarner there's even more reward. I, th- I think that's that's how I would look at it. And certainly Keuchel is a little bit older, um, but it, it's there's a lot to like about this club right now, uh, about this pitcher rather in, in Bumgarner. And I think he he is someone who would bring whatever team he goes to instant credibility, instant playoff bona fides that I do think still carry something and matter in this game. I remember last year we were speaking, well, actually last season we were speaking with you about how, man, there's a lot of teams tanking, and I don't know if this is good for baseball. It's kind of like it's flipped going into this offseason because there's a lot of these front offices. You know, you can get rid of a couple managers, but then after a while it now becomes on you. And I just get the sense, and I, I you know, and you're down on the floor talking to so many people, that there's a lot of front offices right now with their their feet to the fire. They need to start winning. If not, there's going to be a regime change. And I'm hoping that's going to be good for baseball as we're going to have more teams trying to win this upcoming season. Agree. I think that's certainly, uh, Chris, part of the, the conversation here. There's, there's a lot of teams that a year ago were just sort of cycling into or entering this, this competitive phase 
for their organization. The Reds are one example, the White Sox. The Phillies, of course, spent their way out of their rebuild and now are fully going for it. The Twins, to an extent. Some of them added talent last winter and some of them didn't. The White Sox tried, tried in a big way with, with Machado and Harper Bolt. But that, to me, is what has to happen now, is that you have to see some of these teams that have been in that mid-range now wanting to find a, the next step and, and, and really augment what they've got. And then even teams like the Cardinals and the Braves, the Braves have been probably the most active team in baseball to date this winter, who made the playoffs but had some flaws, addressing them in a very meaningful way. So I, I'm encouraged by the approach they've taken. A lot of the teams, I think it's the, the, the last month or so has proved the game's in a very good place. I personally am excited about this. And really, I think to your point, Chris, I think it's a very astute observation on your part. There are executives that are now looking around and saying, my team has deficiencies, and if I don't address them now, it's it's my own responsibility and potentially my, my own livelihood. So uh, that, that urgency is good for the sport. Um, and really, Chris, to me, it, it underscores the cyclical nature of baseball, that while there were some teams that were less competitive this year than they probably should have been or could have been, uh, they have made good on their vow that when the time was right, they would spend. That's happening. And and that speaks to the fact that there's really nothing wrong with teams going through rebuilding phases. It just, it just doesn't have the best look when a lot of teams are doing it all at the same time. Now they're coming out of it, and it looks great because they're emerging now. They're spending again. And here we are in, in San Diego with – a lot. There's, there's a lot of money being spent, a lot of energy around the game, and, and the Strasburg deal still very much reverberating a day later. It, it's a record-setting landmark pitching contract in the history of the game. And for, the, for those of us that love the game and watch the economic aspect of it, it's a pretty exciting time. One thing that I love from our standpoint is we're boring. For the first time, you know, we, we had Billy Bean on earlier. Uh, coming up here is going to be Bob Melvin. A's don't have a lot of holes. they got to address second base, maybe another bullpen arm. But for the most part, the core is set, ready to rock. We're talking about what a fast offseason this is going to be because two straight years of 97 wins. You know, the first year, I got the sense everybody said, let me, let me see you do it again. And then they do it again. Going into this year, you know, the A's are one of a handful of teams, John, that, that I see as truly being a World Series contender, and I think it's really exciting times with, with the A's. What do you see with our ball club going forward? Great, great collection of talent. And um, I love that you have some players that are really in their prime years all at the same time. Uh, position player-wise, certainly you would say that for, for Semyon and, and for Olsen and Chapman most notably, maybe the best all-around third baseman in the game. I, I love Nolan Arenado, but... I'm not entirely sure who the best all-around third baseman is in the game. you got Anthony Rendon, who we're talking about right now. Uh, but he, of He's going to get paid. He'll get paid. <laughs> the, the, the best third baseman may well come from Lake Forest, California, uh, in El Toro High School. I'm just not sure which one. Yeah. Uh, it's either Chapman or Arenado, uh, who, who went to school not too far away from where we are right now. But um, there's there's a lot to like about, about the A's club. And I think, too, one of the big things, Chris, that I look at and – and I'll, you know, I hate to oversimplify things, especially with young players. But if you tell me what AJ Puck and Jesus Lusado can do this year in terms of starts, innings, wins, ERA, all, all those, all those indicative numbers, and certainly some of the new ones too, and I'll be able to tell you how good this team's going to be. Because while some of the more veteran pitchers are there, and certainly Fires is 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 really, I think, made his mark on being a steadying influence for this rotation. Puck and especially Lazardo are just dynamic talents, and to me, I want to see what what he what he can do over a full season. How many innings Lazardo can can throw? We know, of course, uh, the injuries he went through here in, in 2019, but he is someone who is just extraordinarily competitive. Uh, I think a very engaging player, as you know, very thoughtful, great for the game. So I'm a big fan of Lazardo, and and uh, he is one of the players. I'm probably. Ten players in the game. If I was going to make my list of ten guys, I just cannot wait to watch in 2020. Luzardo was on that list. Let's end on this for you personally, and, and I know your phone's blowing up right now, uh, and you got to get out of here. And we truly appreciate the time for you as someone who's so connected in this game and so locked in in this game. And when you're checking with your sources, 
What's this time of the year like for you when you're at the winter meetings and you're breaking news on Twitter and everybody's following you and can't wait? What's it like for you? It's fun. It's exhilarating. And part of it, too, Townie, is just like this conversation here, we don't always get a chance to see each other in person. And yeah. so uh, just to be able to sit down and say hi to Cody and say hi to you in person after chatting so much during the course of the year is, is really special. So uh, I value and I think it's a great reminder for all of us that, that while we are so diffuse around the country. We've got all different um, teams that we follow and we live in different areas that coming together and being under one roof is still special and still matters. And, and I think still you, you realize the, the face-to-face component of certainly what we do, but also what the, what the executives and the agents do. It's, they have to still meet in person to, to really have those, those final conversations about it, about a really important hire, a really important signing in a trade. So uh, I, love, I love the feeling. Certainly it's, it's different than it once was. There's, a, a, I think, a bit more. You mentioned the cell phones. It's it's. I'm I'm old enough that I I remember what it was like before we all had smartphones and you'd actually have to you know talk to people in person <laughs> to get your information, uh. which I love. So um, you know the, the, those parts of the of the game. I, I love that it still exists on some level, and you get to see people that catch up that haven't seen each other in a long time. That always makes me smile. Uh, just the, those connections. The game really is a big family. Um, there are certainly sometimes disagreements within it, uh, without question. A lot of competition too within it. But it is still a family, and um, you know, for me, you know, living in Michigan, and and uh, you know, I, I I get to the ballpark often in, in Detroit and around the country. But it's still nice to see people that I that I didn't maybe come across because of the schedule this past year. See people that I end up uh, bumping into in spring training and throughout time. So it's just it's a uh, I'm really really fortunate to to be here still. I mean, every day that I'm covering baseball, I consider a uh, a blessing to be here and just uh, to be around people that are just really special to me. So it, it's a it's a great week. It's one of as you point out, Tony, frenetic work. You're always in that in that mode, but uh, you also, I think, have to stop and appreciate how lucky we are to uh, to be a part of a game that matters a lot to a lot of us and, and uh, has been a big part of our lives. And, and we're, we're here and honored to be part of sharing the, the excitement of the year ahead. And, and then we, we all head home for the holidays and hopefully get a lot of time with family as well. All right, so whether it's been the talk show, A's pregame, You've been so good to us over the years. Thanks, I have Tony. always appreciated that. And you know how much we respect your work. But really, thank you for everything you've done for our shows because it really means a lot. My pleasure, Tony. It's been great to be on the, on the air many times with you, Tony, and, and to be able to have this conversation in person now with, with you and Cody as well is, is really a treat. So um, it's, it's great to be here and great to share some California sunshine with you. I will endeavor to bring it back uh, to my great home state of Michigan <laughs> as best I can here in my carry-on luggage uh, in a couple days' time. You know, I've had John on for years. It was the first time I ever got to meet him face-to-face. And the same thing with Scott Miller from Bleach Report. These are two of the best baseball columnists that we got in the game. Here was our conversation with Scott Miller from Bleacher Report. Scott, you've been one of the best to us all these years with the A's and the different talk shows that I've been on. And uh, we we love following your career and what you've done at Bleacher Report. We know you do a ton of stuff down here in San Diego. We've always really appreciated you coming on the program. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. I've always enjoyed talking with you. Uh, You know your stuff. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversations. That's why you keep me coming back. Yeah, I love I love it. I love it. By the way, we're just seeing here on Twitter, Cubs Uh-oh. Cubs declined to talk new deal with Rizzo. What is going on with the yeah. Chicago Cubs? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, we heard last year about uh, about this time last year, Theo Epstein said next year was going to be year of reckoning, and we get to this year, or I mean, this past season, and they part ways with Joe Madden, and. I don't know if people went into a false sense of security, figure out, well, they fired the manager or parted ways with him. But you go back to the year of reckoning thing, it's not a reckoning after the Cubs disappointed. It's not a reckoning just to change managers. I mean, Theo was telegraphing a big change in the organization, I think. And, you know, it'll be right now they don't have money. They've signed you Darvish to that $126 million deal, which, by the way, was a bad move. Tyler Chatwood, a year ago, two years ago, that was a bad free agent move. Um, you know, they've got certain dollars committed in long-term contracts. And I think the Chris Bryant trade rumors are real. Wilson Contreras, you could see go. Uh, Rizzo, I think they continue to put the team on notice that, you know, we're going to make some changes and we got to meet some expectations here. And I think about Garrett Cole. Uh, $324 million for nine years. If you had to bet, like, 
seven years from now we're doing this conversation again. Are we going to be calling this a great contract, or are we going to be calling this another bad long-term deal? Well, I think the uh, probably the easy way out would be to say the latter, right? Because most of these long-term deals from you know uh, don't turn out. Um, nine years is a long time for anybody, let alone for an elite starting pitcher. I mean, you have to figure. Garrett Cole's 29 years old now. Um, how many years of prime Garrett Cole will the Yankees get? Three, four, maybe. Um, if that, right? Um, say till he's 31 or 32, maybe 33 if he becomes a Justin Verlander, and he's smart enough, physically good enough, healthy, maybe he can be another Verlander and still give you elite years at 33, 34. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. The other end of that contract is going to be interesting to see if he opts out because he's got an opt out after five years in this deal, and you know. It, the Yankees, you know, it could help. Most clubs, I think, that give opt-outs secretly hope the guy opts out, <laughs> right? Because it, it will give them financial relief for the back end of the contract. Yeah. But also, if he opts out, it means he's been great, right? Because Garrett Cole's not going to pitch poorly for five years and decide I'm going to opt out and get more money. I mean, if he opts out, that probably means Yankees want at least one World Series, if not two, and Cole's probably want a Cy Young or two. Wow. Can you imagine saying, yeah, I don't want that $145 million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then I think about the Dodgers. They got yep. money. They got flexibility. And up in our neck of the woods, Giant fans are paranoid because the last guy they want to see in L.A. is Madison Bumgarner. You know, talking to some people close to the Dodgers, I think that's overblown. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I'll be completely wrong and a week from now look like an idiot, but I'm the Dodgers, they were in on Garrett Cole hard. I think the Dodgers are looking, if they're going to spend that kind of money, to make a huge, hugely significant move, albeit a Garrett Cole who they just lost out on, or an Anthony Rendon. I think now they're going <clears> to <throat> excuse me, turn their sights to Rendon. Um, I mean, Bumgarner's had a great, really good career, obviously. Um, you probably figure his best days are behind him. Um, not that he's not going to have any good seasons upcoming, but you know, I don't know if, if the Dodgers, the way they operate, I don't know that they are going to fork over big money for a guy that's probably on the back half of his career, especially they've already got Clayton Kershaw pretty much in that position now. They've seen the best of Kershaw. The staff now is going to be led by Walker Bueller and they had hoped maybe a Garrett Cole, but I think they're going to go Rendon, and if they miss out on Rendon, um, I, I think maybe they make a, a trade that, that rather than, than sign Baumgartner, but we'll see. Yeah, you think of the $633 million that Scott Brewer says negotiated already, and we haven't even gotten to Rendon yet. Exactly. He's now the big piece yeah. after the two big pitchers, and you got a ton of people. I mean, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's staying with the Nats, uh, the Rangers are opening up a new ballpark. He's a Texan. They want a little firepower. That I mean, so he's got a lot of suitors, wouldn't you say? No question. I think the Rangers are the team to keep an eye on with Rendon. I do, unless the Dodgers, as we just discussed, step up and decide, hey, we missed out on Garrett Cole, we're going to go hard and, and, and ratchet up the money. But the Rangers think they're close to another window where they can win. As you mentioned, Chris, they've got the new ballpark opening next year. Uh, they'd like to make a significant roster addition, a marquee player uh, to kind of hold up to everybody as they move into the new ballpark and, and, and hopefully you know attract a bunch of fans. And, yeah, Rendon's a, a Houston uh, native. Um, Texas makes a lot of sense right now, and, and I'm told they're being aggressive in these talks. The story came out about the baseball. Launch angle and low seams. Are we buying this from Major League Baseball? <laughs> I sat through that press conference this morning at 10 <laughs> o'clock. I'll tell you what, there were about four scientists, guy from Washington State University. You know, there were a couple MLB people. Uh, there were a couple Rawlings uh, people, you know, from Rawlings, the baseball manufacturer. Uh, you know, if, if that was a press conference for science nerds, you know, talking drag, you know, drag uh, on the ball and, and, you know, what weather conditions do and, and, and I don't say that disparagingly about science nerds. I say, you know, just because it's, it's almost, I say it in a vein of that. It was almost for smarter minds than mine, you know. 
But I, the ball clearly, there was something going on this year. I think it was juiced. A lot of people think it was juiced. Let's say this. The managers gathered this morning right before that press conference. There was a kind of a brunch with, with beat writers and managers, and they got their picture taken, the American League managers. It's a winter meetings tradition. Every year they get the American League managers together, group picture, snap it, National League managers together. While up in that area, I had a chance to talk to a few managers, and they said, what is this, the ball? So yeah, press conference, you know, and here's what MLB says, you know, that, that, uh, you know, they didn't find any significant funny business going on. And a number of managers were like, really? (laughs) (laughs) So I can tell you, I don't think many major league managers are buying it, not that they would speak publicly to that. All right, we know you got to go. One more for you. I think about the Astros and this investigation, and now we're hearing that this investigation is going to go into – 2020 major league baseball has a problem it's almost like they don't want to do anything because of the momentum of the winter meetings and everything what are you hearing about this investigation yeah rob manford i mentioned he, he was had availability a little bit earlier today he, he spoke on the astros investigation um yes what he said this directly from the commissioner's mouth that this is probably the most thorough investigation ever undertaken by a commissioner's office. That's one thing he said. He said they've already spoken with more than 60 witnesses. He said we've gone through 76,000 emails. He said and a whole trove of instant messages. He said my hope is to complete this as promptly as possible, but what that means he can't put a timetable on, or at least if he can, he's not. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, most thorough investigation ever by a commissioner's office. And I we're mean, thinking about Pete Rose? Yeah. That yeah, investigation? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, the Astros are in a tough spot here. I mean, if you're a free agent, for example, you know, I mean, obviously money talks. If the Astros, if I'm a free agent and the Astros offer me $10 million more than the Tigers do, I'm probably going to say, I'm coming to you, Houston. But if the all offers are somewhat equal, if you're a free agent, you're like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Astros. Maybe I don't want to be involved in that or, or at least associated with that. Or, you know, I don't want to go to have to put up with all the noise. Uh, beyond that, A.J. Hinch meets with the media yesterday. That's what another thing they do at the winter meetings every year. Every manager has about a 20-minute session with reporters. And A.J. Hinch just got, as you would imagine, bombarded because nobody else from the Astros is coming out public. I mean, Jeff Lunau has no availability, nor does any of his assistants. A.J.'s the only guy. And, you know, as a manager, you figure you had to know something about it. But, you know, as every question, and he started with a statement. He said, look, I don't want to be disrespectful, and I get it. You got, I'm going to be the most popular guy here. You guys want to ask me a lot of questions. But it's an ongoing investigation, and I just can't say anything I can't answer any of these questions. He said there will be a day, and I look forward to the day, when I will have my piece to say. But right now I'm in a jam and I can't say anything. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, the hope is, I think, by everybody that before spring training this is ruled upon because if not, I mean, I can't imagine spring training starting and then all of a sudden you get to opening day and all of a sudden the Astros get docked with suspensions, whether it's Jeff Luna or A.J. Hinch or whoever. Unbelievable, and I feel bad for A.J. Well, I don't totally feel bad because I know he knows, but the fact that he has to be the face and no one else comes out, that's that's not cool, the accountability. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You're you're one of the best in the business, and it's always an honor to have you on the program, whether it's a program like this, the talk show, or doing A's pregame. We always appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you, and you guys take care. Enjoy the rest of the winter meetings. Scott's a good guy. I, you know, I'm thankful for all these guys for all these years, them coming on our pregame show with the A's and the different talk shows that I've done throughout my career. Bobby Evans, former general manager of the San Francisco Giants, when we arrived at the winter meetings, we got out of the Uber, and he was right there. He was the first guy we saw, and Bobby is always gracious with his time. And uh, here is the former general manager of the San Francisco Giants. Bobby Evans was always great to us. There was no question about it. You know, so there were sometimes you're like, how is the Giants GM going to treat the A's? Uh, Bobby was always fantastic. Do we got him? Is it allowed to turn him down a little bit? How's that? 
I'm good. Good to be with you guys. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be with you. The beautiful San Diego. We've had some rain in the Bay Area, so it's. Uh, I know it's clearing up at home, and now it's beautiful here. So. And we're getting some deals done here. <laughs> Apparently so. How about that? San Diego native, I hear. So Seven years, $245 million for Steven Strasburg. What did you think when you heard that? Well, I, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for uh, you know, him to be able to stay with his own organization. I mean, obviously that's special. You were drafted there. You come up there. You Now you're World Series MVP. You've hit the pinnacle of, of what you want to accomplish. And, and now he's a part of that organization going forward i mean it's great for for nationals fans having lost one of their their cornerstone players last year now they're going to be able to keep him and that's i know it'll make it tough on what's next for them but clearly uh it's a great baseball move Uh, it's a lot of money though and uh, we know uh we know the upsides and downsides of that so yeah what is that like when you're controlling something like that and you're going through contract negotiations and you're doing with scott boris to where versus talking about a guy who plays every day Versus a guy that you're hoping to get like 32, 33 starts out of. Well, you know, starting pitching's value is up. I mean, obviously, from watching this postseason and, and the advantages that it brings, it obviously brought tremendous advantage to the Nationals and the, and the Astros, for that matter. I think that, you know, these are decisions that are made collaboratively with your ownership. I mean, these are, you know, these are, these are not, you know, you don't spend $245 million for PR. You spend it to win. But, you know, there's some element of, you know the, the the fans you know interest in seeing their their favorite guy out there every fifth day and when you're assessing that kind of contract versus a position player uh you know i don't know what ultimately the deal will look like for you know obviously harper's deal was pretty significant i'm not sure what the other guys uh deal will look like rendon at the end of the day but you know this is you know starting pitching's value is is, is evident i mean that's why they were so successful because of their starting pitching and you know, you have to assess your system, you have to assess the market, and you have to assess what other options you have, and clearly this is their guy. When you hear the rumors of Garrett Cole and $300 million, what goes through your mind? You know, I look back at, at contracts that started with a two and thought that was a lot. So I, I, I am, uh, you, know, you know, I know the revenue in the game has is, is never been higher, right? I mean, it's, it, the values of these franchises has never been higher. And, you know, the, the value of... of uh, of uh you know cole i mean he was clearly you know if not the best one of the top two or three best in the game and and he's come a long way from his time in pittsburgh and he showed value that you know in many ways carried carried the team on his back and uh, that's gonna you know with, with scott having signed this deal you know where the floor is right so uh we'll see where it takes him and i'm not wouldn't be surprised anything that happens you talk about a guy what he means and I know this guy means a lot to you. And I think once we see Cole come off the board, now that'll be Wheeler, Strasburg, Cole. I think about your guy, Madison Bumgarner, and what he meant. And, you know, your three World Series championships, even as a young kid in the first one. And then, of course, what he meant in the second one. And then just being just, my God, a, a, an absolute monster in 2014. He didn't have a great year away from now would be Oracle Park, about to call it AT&T. But I don't know. There's still something about Madison Baumgartner. I mean, when you think about him going into free agency now, what do you think about your guy? I, I know that uh, as general managers look at him, they know he's going to pitch, you know, uh, games that matter and, and, and pitch him with precision. And I, I understand the, the, the numbers were what they were on the road and ultimately, you know, the numbers overall. Uh, this is his first full season back after missing both parts of 2017 and 2018. So, uh, you know, again, he's not a guy that's ever relied heavily on velocity. It's location, it's deception, it's arm angle, it's the angle of the pitch coming in, against, especially against righties, and it's the, it, the, the, the curveball and, and, and knowing how to uh, mix speeds and mix locations and pitching plan. And I think, I think, uh, I think Bum is behind the scenes uh, more analytical about his performances than probably people even realize, and, and he, studies, he studies his performance you know, uh, against opposing hitters before outings and then repeats that study after outings. Uh, he, he's very hard on himself. He's a perfectionist. Um, I think that what you're signing is a guy with a tremendous work ethic, a uh, tremendous uh, fire, uh, you know, in many ways can, uh, you know, be a face of a clubhouse and, and a leader in a clubhouse. Uh, he, you know, he, he wants to be successful. And so if you ever want to, you know, see Bum quiet, it's when he's really, you know, concerned about his own 
contribution and performance. Otherwise, he's, you know, he's clearly a, a good teammate and somebody that you know the, the clubhouse turns to. And, and when he goes out there, everybody knows to be at their best on every fifth day. I think about the toughness. I think about the fire. And, you know, I just start thinking about a change of, a change of scenery for a guy like that, what that could mean for him in his career. Well, we've seen how it's impacted others, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know Verlander. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, you know Granky to a certain extent so far. Uh, you know, Cole uh, and and many others, and and that's you know that's what you hope for. You know, and again, he'll have to pick. You know, if he's in an American League situation, that'll be very different for him. I can't imagine him, uh, you know, uh, necessarily gravitating first to American League, but he'll have to look at the best situation, and, and he wants to go probably someplace that has a good chance of winning, and that's why they're signing them is they want to put them over the top or, or be another con- contributor to, to their success. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun year for him. I, I do think a new environment can, can really recharge the batteries and, and, and re, you know, reassess how you're doing things and, and learn from, from new people. We saw some really bad teams last year, which led to some really high win totals, right? 107, 106, 103. I mean, for God's sakes, the A's were, they won 97 games, and all it got you was a wild card game for the second straight year. I mean, how crazy is that? No, I mean, we've made wild cards winning, what, 87, 88 games. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just shows you the imbalance, you know, right now in the game of, of some of the teams of the haves and have nots, and some of those that are, you know, trying to win right now and are trying to win later. So, uh, it is hard. It is hard on the game, and I, I think the you know, ninety-seven win team really shouldn't have to be in a wild card. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. But then, you know, I think about where we are now. It's kind of like the in, in a very short time, the script has flipped to where we're talking about this with Matt Vasquezian. There's quite a few franchises out there right now where you got to start winning, right? Their front offices need to start winning because if they don't start winning. There could be a regime change. Are you starting to see that in the game where it's like, okay, enough, enough with the rebuilding. You know, the owner's looking down going, I need to see some W's. Yeah, I mean, rebuilding has never been a, 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 a foolproof plan. I mean, it, it, sometimes uh, you, you can look at the success of Houston and Chicago and say, you know, those are great examples of how, you know, rebuilding can happen. But when you have so many teams rebuilding at once, there's only so many top draft picks. There's only so many uh, free agent signings. There's only so many farm systems that can can be number one or number two or number three. So at some point, uh, there's going to be some some failed attempts to rebuild, and and that's unfortunate, uh, of course. But yeah, ownership and fans are going to get impatient at some point, and that's that's ultimately part of it. And you know, you you hope you have an ownership group that'll stick with you and allow you to try. You know, you know turn it over another way but if not and there's turnover in the front office the next guy will come in and he'll get the the benefit of what you left and hopefully uh you know not not fall short as the last guy did i i, I understand exactly what you're saying this is so many managers changing you do wonder you know if if those managers changing is a preemptive sign of what could come two years from now with you know, general managers changing if, in fact, these clubs don't don't get it all on get get going on all cylinders. Yeah, you know, I think you know you had Bruce Bochy. We've got Bob Melvin. You know, whenever you have a revolving door of a voice of a manager, it just seems like such a bad deal. I mean, you can speak to it. I mean, the fact that every single day you go down to that clubhouse and a guy like Bruce Bochy is there. I mean, what that does for you for a front office is huge. No, I mean exactly, and and. You know, what it does for a clubhouse, you know, too. These players know, you know, what to expect day in and day out. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's priceless really for them. And I think that as a front office, when you have a manager who, you know, can handle not only what he's, what he's, how he's managing a clubhouse, but how he's handling the game tactically. I mean, those are very valuable, uh, you know, pieces for a general manager to not have to worry about. And I think that um, as the game's evolved, I mean, I think that there's, there's fewer and fewer, you know, Bob Melvin's and, and Bruce Bochy's managing right now, but, you know, there's some young guys that have promise, I guess. So when I think about your guys' run in San Francisco, now that you've stepped back away from it for a little while, I, you think of three championships. I mean, have, you, have you been able to sit back and really go, wow, we, we've got three World Series rings? Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, we don't take it for granted. I never have. Uh, we, you know, we knew as we were experiencing that that, you know, as much as we wanted to continue that, uh, that winning path we thought uh you know every every championship was special and it was no surefire way that we would get the next one and and winning three and five was you know very special and a very special group and and in many ways you know those successes may be part of the reason i'm on the sidelines now because we wanted to 
you know, extend that window a little a little larger with the same group, and and yet we didn't get to do that. And you guys got nothing to be ashamed of. You <laughs> well, got thanks. nothing to be ashamed of <laughs> Thank whatsoever. You. Thank you. And I, I mean, and 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 I think you you what, what's so interesting about that run is really there was one guy in the lineup for all three, which was Buster Posey. There's really one guy starting the whole time, Mass and Bumgarner. You had three different closers. It just goes to show that it factor, you just don't know how to get it. But when you get it, it's like the most special thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I remember Buster, after we won the first one, he was like, I don't know why we can't do this every year. And we're like, well, and Kruko, I remember telling him, Buster, you got to appreciate this. This is the first time in 50, what, 54 years for the Giants. So you're 56 years for the Giants. So, you know, it doesn't happen that that easy that often. And then, lo and behold, two years later, we win another one. And uh, and and Buster, two years later, they win another one. And so, you know, it it, it goes to show you how special you know that combination of guys were. And at the same time, and we did have you know, you know I think we had uh, you know Crawford told me as we were walking back into the Pentagon hit uh, Ritz Carlton or whatever there in D.C. after after the 2000 and and 12 championship 2013 we're at the white house we're walking back into the hotel and he's like you know we would have won in 2011 if you hadn't sent me down (laughs) (laughs) and and you know what he had a good point he had a good point he had a good point so down here at the winter meetings what are you working on now well right now uh you know still with the giants but you know i've been at arm's distance i've basically uh, been on the sidelines and and available if needed but but not really called upon for this last year so i've I've really been working uh, in projects with the commissioner's office and in um, in some, you know, youth baseball initiatives, including uh, one particular one in, in Cairo, Egypt, uh, where we're starting a youth baseball program up to 2,500 kids in Egypt now playing baseball. I've had an opportunity to visit the Dominican Republic and look at some initiatives that baseball could undertake that would impact the poverty of many of the young uh, families there that ultimately become, you know, grow up and become prospects for us to sign for lots of money but dealing with the poverty over there there's a lot that baseball could do uh so i've spent a, a lot of time on those kind of projects and uh at the same time uh you know it's been a little extra time with family and uh you know one thing i i probably can't replace is the time i've had it's been it's been good but ready to get busy again and this is the time of year where we're normally the most busy so i'm hoping that there'll be a a pathway to to you know reconnect with the game on a daily basis here soon well, hey, congratulations on all the success. And once again, you were always so good to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're out there doing good and making life better for other people, which is always very special. Happy holidays. Have a great Christmas. And uh, let's talk in the new year. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. And last but not least, Julian McWilliams used to cover the athletics for The Athletic. But he's from back east. He wanted to be closer to home. So he took a job with the Boston Globe to cover the Boston Red Sox. Julian McWilliams, great guy. We now have a Red Sox insider. Here's our conversation with Julian. Julian McWilliams, our old friend from The Athletic when he was covering the Oakland A's, now with the Boston Globe covering the Boston Red Sox. Great to see you. Great seeing you guys too, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to get get my old stomping grounds, man. It's, 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 it's awesome. So I think about covering the Red Sox. Like, just what's the difference between covering a team where they care about everything you write about? I mean, the Red Sox, Red Sox Nation. What's the difference between covering, like, the A's and the Red Sox? For one, media. I mean, you walk in a clubhouse, it's probably, like, 40, 40 people. It could be up to, like, 40, 50 people in the clubhouse. It's, like, it's, more player, it's more media in the clubhouse than there are players. And you just fill up that room. It's more cameras. Uh, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more competition you know it's it's it, you got you got really got it's, it's you really got to fight to get yours and that's it's it, that's that's a good part of it I enjoy that too yeah I can, you know the one thing that I always enjoyed is early in the year when the Red Sox or the Yankees would come to town and they were struggling their media was all over them you know out yeah. here it's like oh it's early yeah. no it's not early you win but you get paid to win baseball games yeah and I always respected how the their media now you covering these teams, the expectations, they're it. losing's not acceptable. It's not. And, like, just like last season, I mean, it was – I came in at a weird time. Like, I came in in June, and they they weren't doing well. And so the vibe around there was just – it was 
it's it's grungy, right? And it's the same thing for the media also. Like you get you get emails from from fans and they're crazy. Like if you get something wrong, say, you know, I don't know, Jackie Bradley's hitting two twenty and you put two eighteen, they'd be like, Hey man, like <laughs> you're two points off. Get it together. Like the first thing my boss told me was like, Hey man, don't read the comments on, on, on your stories. Don't read the comments. I read the comments for like the first week and I was like, Oh man, I can't do this. I'm not reading the comments anymore. So uh, it, it's good though, man. It's it's an expectation. It's 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 fun, um, you know. And I I do miss Oakland because it did have that type of you know family type of atmosphere, that family vibe that you always you don't love to do. But this is this is kind of what I do it for. Is the big leagues? Yeah. This is the big leagues? All right. So with the Boston Red Sox, the reality is you bring in Heim Bloom. You bring in Heim Bloom because you kind of want him to do what Andrew Friedman has done in Los Angeles, make you competitive and get under, uh, under the luxury tax, get out of that hell. But the Boston Red Sox make a lot of money, yeah, right? And they've won these three World Series. They got the big cable deal. They got the most expensive tickets in the game. Red Sox fans don't want to hear about any type of rebuild. And you got one of the best players in the game in Mookie Betts. And the talk down here potentially moving him – I mean, if I was a Red Sox fan, I, 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 you take me through it. I'd flip out if you're talking about trading my best player and you got all this money in the bank. It's been the talk the whole year, and he's had to kind of answer to that the whole year. I mean, look, Mookie's a guy I think that wants to go to free agency. There's, there's no doubt about it. And if you look at the contract that Cole got last night, the fourth, you know, he's a guy that could going to be sitting on his butt four to five days, and he's getting paid three twenty four. If I'm Mookie Betts, I'm saying sitting back and saying like. I'm sleeping well at night now, knowing that I made the decision to turn, to decline, you know, the offer, the reported offer that they put on the table the last two years, which was, you know, in a two seven year two fifty range or something like that, and just say, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna take all my chips to free agency, take what I've done the, with my body of work to free agency, and go to free agency. But I think if you're a Red Sox fan, it's it's kind of it's kind of like okay, what direction are we going in? I mean, I was talking to one of my uh, one one of the people that I know and is saying like I wouldn't be surprised if 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 they try to unload they could even unload like a Xander Bogart to somebody like that or Mookie Betts or or David Price you know or attach or attach a Mookie Betts or a David Price or, or Xander Bogarts to those guys so it's a lot of different ways the Red Sox can go and uh, it's going to be a, it's definitely an interesting off season it is definitely going to be a, a different team I think going into next year for sure John Morosi from Fox Sports and MLB Network said yesterday where you're sitting you know in free agency. You, you, you got to come straight with guys, yeah. right? You got to give them legit offers because if you don't, uh, you know, there's going to be animosity. And I think about what you just said with Mookie Betts. If you're saying Mike Trout's getting four, what is it, four, four thirty-five or whatever it is? Bryce Harper's getting three thirty. Manny Machado's getting three hundred. And you come with seven years, two fifty. That's no, not coming straight. That's not coming straight. And you have to. And and, and Mookie's a guy that knows his worth. I, there's a quick story about Mookie. He wanted he the Red Sox originally tried to draft him for for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? They so they offered him three fifty. His him and his agent said no, we want seven fifty. He said they said he said or else I'm going to college. They said no, three fifty. Mookie says seven fifty. So he and and the next thing you know, the Red Sox came with seven fifty, and Mookie's like, okay, I'll sign. So he's very assured in what he wants and what he and what he thinks he's worth, and he's not going to move off of that, or else he's going to go on to the next thing. He's he's very businesslike in that manner. Um, you know, there's a conversation about, you know, the David Ortiz and, and, and what that means about legacy and everything about, you know, uh, uh, being a, le- a legend in Boston. And Mookie's response was, well, you can be a legend in multiple uniforms. So he's a guy that, that's very assured in what he, in who he is and how he wants to go about that. And I don't blame him. You have, to, you have to go and get your money. Yeah, he knows his worth. Yeah, I mean, World Series champion, Silver Slugger, MVP. I mean, what else do you have to do in Boston? You prove that you can play there. I mean, at this point, you have to take care of yours, and I don't blame him for that. Who would take on David Price's contract? <sighs> angels. <laughs> really? I mean, isn't that, wouldn't that be like the most angel thing, though? Wow. Right? Like, like, just to take on all that money for for a, a guy that's you know past his prime and and, and, and you know hasn't uh, been able to pitch deep into to games. But I mean, I mean, I think you can get some innings out of him, but that's just a lot of money. That's a lot of money to take on for for, for David. I wasn't shocked about J.D. Martinez not opting out because you started to look. You know, he's an American League guy. He's going to DH. And there wasn't yeah, a whole yeah, lot of options yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. It's, 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 and, and he's like – he's, he's another guy. I mean, back issues. Uh, if you look at some of his numbers, 
Uh, he's if you play him in the field one day or for a weekend, then you, I mean, then he then he goes back to hit. His numbers went down significantly because he he just doesn't have he just it's a lot of wear and tear on that body. Uh, and you know you and, and that's not a lot of DHs with 72 million left in the bank uh, over you know three or four years or whatever have you that he has left, and you don't you don't opt out of that. You can't do that. And then I think a Hein Bloom coming from the Rays. Uh, what's he like, and what's it been like so far for him in Boston? He's great. I mean, he's he's charismatic. Uh, you know, he hasn't really. I think he's, I think he's he's just now settling into Boston, or he's I, he I think he's still living in Tampa, or he's just he's just now moving to the Boston area. I'm not sure if he's gonna. I heard something like he he might move in like the June because he's trying to keep his kids yeah in school for the rest of for the remainder of the year. But just as of now, like he's been great. He's forthcoming. I mean. We're still getting to know him, but, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, like Billy Bean, like David Force, they're able to find wins within the margins, and they're able to, to, to stack on prospects and find these guys. I mean, look at the Rays. Like, look, Tyler Glasnow, uh, you know, uh, they were able to find Zanino, and, and he changed that whole pitching staff despite him only hitting 175. I mean, these are guys that, that find wins within the margins, and they're expecting him to do that with Boston. And uh, so, we'll, so only time will tell, I guess. So where are they? Are they in win mode? Are they in – reload get under the luxury tax where are the red Sox? you know i it's that 2017 year for the yankees when they just said screw it like remember they got rid of Teixeira. they got rid of or that was 2000 the end of 2016 i believe 2000 and they got rid of Teixeira. they got rid of uh, uh a rod and all those guys all those kind of those bad contracts like this isn't working and then they then they got all those prospects back they got gliber then they get that made room for judge to come up they're really trying now to like revamp their prospect system, their 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 farm system, because they gutted that thing, man, for that title. And granted, like you have to give like people, you know, drag Dave Dombrowski and all that stuff. But his job to come in was to do was to take that team to a championship level, and it worked, right? He got Price, he got J.D. Martinez, uh, the sale deal, all that stuff fell on the on the on the lap of of, of Dave Dombrowski. But at the same time. You look at their farm system, and it was kind of gutted. So now they're trying to re- rebuild the farm system and try to stay competitive. I don't think they're going to at that at that championship level anymore right now, but they're trying to get back to that um, in an expedited in an expedited expe- expedited fashion. So, if you're a Red Sox fan and you hear nine years, three hundred twenty-four million, what was the rumblings like in Red Sox Nation when they heard that Cole is going to the Yankees? It was like, it's man. I, I heard uh, Alex Cora was in the same restaurant as uh, Brian Cash when he saw the deal, and he was like, man, are you kidding me? So, but, I mean, you know, they got it. I mean, it's it, look, the Yankees were, were on, the, on the opposite side of that two years ago, right, when in, or three years ago, four years ago when they got Price and they signed him to that record deal. And then, then they got Sale. And so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the Yankees going back to who the Yankees were, and, and you got to give them credit, man. They, they didn't give Machado that money. They said no to Bryce, and then Cole comes around, and they say, you know, they, they pop him. They got him. So you got to give him credit for doing that, man. And he they drafted him out of, out of high school in 2008, and he went to college. So this has been a relationship that's kind of kind of uh, been in the works for a, lo- for a long time for sure. By the way, Machado, I've heard nothing but bad things. <laughs> that's your boy too, huh? Wow. <laughs> I mean, people around here talking about lazy, shows up yeah. late. Yeah. And that's year one of a ten-year deal. Of a ten-year deal. I mean, I guess, I guess, whatever teams that didn't want to give him that money, they made the right decision, right? I, I, I just don't see it lasting here. It can't. I but, mean, but, 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 that's the thing. It's like, why did teams that have big money in the same division who play against him all the time, like you know the guys in your division better than anybody, yeah. right? So if you're the Yankees and you're the Red Sox, and you, why would why wouldn't they go after Machado? I because they knew, right? You have to. I mean, there 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 were some questionable things about his uh, his his character. And look, I've been a Machado. I've been bullish on Machado the whole time. And I remember me and you had discussions about Machado dating back to our A's days. And now I'm looking like kind of like a fool a little bit, huh? <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the talent is great. Yeah. And, and the, the ability for him to – he can play shortstop. Yeah. Move him over to third. Tatis gets hurt, junior, and all of a sudden you move yeah. him over. But it's like making these commitments that we're seeing when you're talking about nine years and ten years yeah. and 13 years for Bryce Harper, you're so married to a player. 
it has to work. Yeah. He needs to be like the face of your franchise. And if he's not that guy, then it's a complete horrible deal. And Bryce Harper's another one too. I mean, you look go back to his like his MVP year. I mean, that's probably his last great year. I mean, every year after that's kind of been like, eh. You know, so three thirty for thirteen. I mean more credit to Scott Boris and then forgetting that, but jeez. That's crazy. I only he doesn't I only think he has a no trade I think has a no trade clause in there too. Oh wow. I mean, you're talking about the guys that got the two biggest contracts. Neither one made the All-Star team. Neither one made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you have a Washington Nationals team that <laughs> wins the World Series when their best player leaves. So it's, it's definitely – I mean, that just goes to show you, man, it's a team effort. And when you have, when you have like, the Oakland A's, like, you, you see that. Like, this is a team that didn't really have that many All-Stars. They should have probably had more All-Stars on there. Ole should definitely be an All-Star. I watch all these guys' game all the time. Simeon should probably be an All-Star. Uh, Chapman's definitely an all-star. But, you know, you just have those guys as a collective unit, and that's what it takes to win. Hey, we're proud of you. Congratulations. Keep your phone on because once they start making moves, we're going to be calling because we know the Red Sox are going to make some moves. Hey, anytime, guys, anytime. Thank you so much. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank John Morosi, Scott Miller, Bobby Evans, and Julian McWilliams. Once again, hope we're hoping you're all enjoying the holiday season and continue to listen to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.